Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. As caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast, 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. And with me in the studio for 3CR Breakfast, I have Ali O'Brien, a Melbourne-based contemporary trans artist, and I have Fox and Jess, co-founders of the In Sickness and In Stealth Collective, an arts collective organizing creative events for artists with disabilities, mental and chronic illness. Hello, everyone. Thank Hi. you so much for joining Hi. us. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thank you so much for, for uh, being here. 3CR Community Radio. Um, I guess we'll start with Fox because we've spoken before. Yeah, yeah. I came on to plug the um, the Spiral Show, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, which um, was our uh, two shows ago. This is our third show that we're doing now, and it's called Invisible. Um, it's an art exhibition, but we're also having some spoken word and going to have some zine tables and stalls. Um, all focusing on chronic illness, mental illness and disability and particularly people who um, experience these in a way that's not visible Mm. to outsiders. Um, And so I guess your last two shows didn't really have a theme, um, but this time, well, an explicit theme, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And this time you've decided to go with, you know, as you've said, illnesses or, or disabilities that, that, that are invisible. What prompted you to, to, to go with this particular theme and why is it important to you? Uh, we found, we decided to focus on that um, partly because Jess and I both have invisible illnesses, but also because we realised that the people who made up most of the last two shows all had various types of invisible illnesses. And there's a particular space which that creates where people are feeling like they have to pretend that they're able-bodied or that they are able to operate in the world as if they don't have an illness because our able society if they can't if you can't see it um but also to try and avoid the stigma but it leads to this kind of continuous lie of Mm. existence um which yeah it shuts you off from um disability activism and community um sometimes and like people people can always make assumptions about whether you have the right to be in a space Mm. um but yeah at the same time you do seek to go to anything and you you know you like have trouble standing on the tram but if no one's going to stand up for you because (laughs) you don't look sick enough or all those sort of um it's kind of like an insecure space to operate in which has some privileges and some disadvantages over different um different other disabilities and mental illnesses and 
chronic illnesses that might be in some ways more visible. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ali, you're one of the artists who's uh, participating um, in the exhibition, which is coming up on the 17th of October. Can you tell us a little bit about your arts practice and the work that you do? Well, I tend to uh, try and make physical what I go through a lot mentally, which is typically a lot of stuff about me being a trans woman and dealing with things like depression and anxiety, which I've been kind of coping with for the past three or four years. And uh, typical, it's typically it's a uh, very, very literal in that it's usually sculptures just of my face or self-portraits, almost exclusively self-portraits. But um, it's generally just about me trying to find a way to express and deal with how I am and how people tend to view that. Mm. And what uh, what sort of attracted you to being part of um, of this show um, uh, in particular? Had you been to any of the shows before? Well, one, I know Fox personally. We do a lot of other art shows together. But also I had been to the last two and I really enjoyed the uh, work and the kind of vibes and the fact that it was an accessible show because a lot of the shows I do, they're in places that have staircases to get to the actual art. So it's a very kind of closed off space in terms of who can actually go to it and see the work. But in all the other ones I've been to in the uh, sickness and stealth shows, they're all very like wheelchair accessible and people can actually go there and it's a very nice space and I thought, huh. That'd be nice to be a part of. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah. And and what about yourself, Jess, as uh, I guess the other half of In Sickness and In Stealth? Um, what does this show mean to you? Um, I think it's personally very important for Fox and I to do a show that's about invisible illnesses for many of the reasons Fox um, shared before. Um, it's something that we go through personally. Um, and... Yeah, it was really um, apparent that we were working with artists who were dealing with a lot of mental illnesses and a lot of other physical illnesses that may not be apparent to um, people in public. Um, so we thought it was really crucial that we just focused on um, the next show, that it was about people who identify with having an invisible illness, um, to just show the diversity of what people go through who identify having an invisible illness um, and creative, creating a nice sense of community as well. Mm. Yeah. And um, it goes back, you know, because I guess we were um, to, to what you were saying and, and some of the discussion that we were having in the kitchen earlier, um, you know, but I, I never realised, but Fox, I think you said something um, along the lines of um, when when you go to sort of the arts industry being what it is, a lot of the time you feel really um, like you don't belong or alienated mm. from those spaces. Sorry, yeah. I'm paraphrasing. No, so did you want to... Dead on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think there's, you know, um, Jess and I went to art school together. That's how we know each other. Um, and there's some people who come out of an arts, fine arts degree with the ability to um, <laughs> talk about materiality and use the words that make you want to die inside. Um, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, there's some people who can really talk that talk and it's important and it's beautiful, but it's really exclusionary. Um, mm. And, you, like, straight out, neither of us 
can do that (laughs) and neither of us feel very comfortable in that space and and part of that is because it is um you know some people are allowed to be struggling artists and get that support and some people have less support already and so Mm. the ability to even engage in that in that way let alone trying to book a show like when we first started um looking at the price of hiring a gallery and then you have to apply. So I was really confused, but surely, like, if you apply for something, you get in because your work's good enough, but then you've got to pay $800 to have it for a week or something. And then, um, that stuff is just incredibly inaccessible to so many people. Um, mm. And we wanted to do something within our particular privilege that we, even though we do have these invisible illnesses, we have periods of health that mean that we could, rel- well, relative <laughs> health, that mean that we are able to do some of the reading and writing of trying to apply for spaces and we can go and physically check places out that aren't accessible to a lot of other people. Mm. Um, totally forgot the question, but... <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, um, so, yeah, galleries, but there, there is, like, a real thing of... I think it's pretty standard for most people who work into gal- walk into a gallery who aren't part of an art scene to feel unwelcome. Mm. Like, um, to feel alienated. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a, it's a judgmental space, and it's an in it's crew. It's a very yeah. self-absorbed yeah. section of society. Totally, yeah. And there's like people back each other up within that, um, but you got to get in that, <laughs> and you got to be able to put up a, with a lot to get in that in the first place. Um, and it's exclusionary on on the basis of of class, and and particularly on on the basis of race. Mm. Um, there are some spaces that do it better than others, and some shows particularly that do it better than others. But definitely not enough that are in physically accessible spaces. Yeah, and and how do you think, um, you know, and this is to all of you, how do you think that that can be? that can be smashed, I guess. I, I mean, on one hand, I guess it's really hard because um, you have to speak, you know, when you're an artist. I don't know because um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not like an artist, but I guess when you're an artist, you have to look at yourself in terms of a, a commodity. You have to com- learn how to sort of that kind of language that commodifies mm. your work and everything like that. And, and, yeah. and, and that's not really a good system to, yeah, to really have. Um, and in some ways kind of clashes with creativity, clashes with 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 some of the things that I don't know, I feel are inherent yeah. to sort of like uh, being an artist that's trying to explore everything and, and, and trying to make that space to talk about all aspects of, of, of who you are. Yeah. yeah. Well, we try always to um, find spaces that are accessible and either relatively affordable or free so that we don't take money from, we don't spend our own money or artists don't have to spend their own money, they just spend money on their own work. We don't take any commission or artists are responsible for selling their work. Um, basically, basically, we're not for profit and we don't <laughs> make any profits whatsoever. It's <laughs> <laughs> like ongoing joke between us. We're not driven by money, we're driven by helping others. Yeah. That's basically um, what it is. Yeah. yeah. And if you're just tuning in to 3CR Breakfast, hang on. That was uh, part one of a two-part interview where I'm speaking with Ali O'Brien, a Melbourne-based contemporary trans artist, as well as Fox and Jess, co-founders of the In Sickness and Stealth Collective, an arts collective organizing creative events for artists with disabilities, mental and chronic illness. 
from every corner of the land. Womankind, arise! Women on the Line, a current affairs program devoted to women's voices, covering a diversity of women's interests and hearing women's perspectives on current affairs. Erosion of human rights leads directly and inevitably to erosion of human security. We do not accept the denial of our rights because the right to have a say over our country is our life. Women on the Line. Tune in on Mondays at 8.30am and Wednesdays at 6am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am. And streaming live at 3cr.org.au. We're live in the studio with Anna Soudan, a mental health worker. Hi, Anna. How are you going? Thanks for joining us. That's okay. <laughs> so we just want to ask you um, a couple of questions for Mental Health Week. Sure. What field of mental health do you work in? Um, I work as a mental health support worker. So I work with people out in the community um, who are mostly suffering from a chronic mental illness that could be anything really ranging from depression to bipolar to schizophrenia or anything in between really. Okay. So do you go to people's houses for that uh, work? On or? occasion. Sometimes, yeah. 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 And so... I see. Mm. Yeah. So how did you get into that kind of work? What made you decide to, to become a mental health worker? Um, it's only something that I've done fairly recently in the last five years or so. I actually trained as a lawyer um, when I left school and did that for 20 years. And um, it's something I've always been passionate about and I actually wanted to do when I left school in a way, but um, didn't do. And um, I finally left law about five years ago and um, started doing this. Yeah. Wow, that's quite a big change to go from law to this type of work. Yes, it is. <laughs> and and you yourself have had um, your own experience of mental illness. Does that impact on the work that you do? Yes, it does. I guess um, it's part of the reason why I've always been really interested in it um, and fascinated by it. And I guess it, it does mean that I bring some of that experience to the to the work I do as well yeah and so do you feel like it helps you is it about empathizing with people or understanding you know having a shared experience with someone that might assist um, being with being a mental health worker um, I guess it means that I sort of know my way around the system the drugs the treatments because I've experienced them myself yeah. um, and I have a first-hand experience of, of what it's like. Um, but yeah, I guess it also means that I have some insight into just how isolating mental illness can be and how much it can take from you and how difficult it can be to keep going. Yeah. Have mental mm. uh, sorry, I, I'm just going to quickly jump in. Um, uh, Anna, um, you were saying how um, uh, the, the difficulties of, I guess, um, the challenges of um, experiencing mental health. Um, what do you think are the barriers um, in terms of getting help? Um, what type of experiences have you encountered when it comes to that? 
the barriers to what, sorry? Uh, so the barriers um, for receiving support? Oh, for support, oh, there are so many barriers. I guess um, the two biggest barriers, one would be around stigma and knowledge. Um, so there's a lot of stigma in our society around mental illness. I guess there's a really fine line between what is mental illness and what is very, what's just bad behaviour. So mental illness manifests as what we typically see as bad behaviour. So that creates such a huge stigma in society. So people will see somebody who has a mental illness and they think they're just behaving badly. Um, so there's a, there's a big stigma um, in society against people with mental illness and I think that creates a huge barrier to getting assistance. Um, and the other major barrier to assistance, which um, is a problem for most of the clients that I work for, is the financial barrier. I've been very, very lucky in my history with mental illness in that I've had um, the financial ability to be able to afford a private psychiatrist over the years. For you know, 20 years I've had a private psychiatrist. Um, but most people that I work with or all people that I work with don't have that luxury. They're stuck in the public system and the public system, you have no continuity of care and you only receive care Hmm. when you're in an absolute crisis yeah. and that's no way to achieve any sort of recovery at all. Mm. As, someone who was, as someone who also experiences um, um, uh, mental health challenges, um, I was on a mental care plan mm-hmm. and I remember it was 10 sessions, so you get 10 free sessions um, throughout the year and I felt like that wasn't enough. And um, after that, you would pay for each session. Um, is there something being done to address that, in, um, in 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 your opinion, or the things that you've heard and read? Uh, not that I'm aware of, no. But I'm no expert in that sort of area, so I'm not the right person to ask, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, ten free sessions really is nothing. It's sort of something that would help with someone who was suffering some sort of minor, really minor sort of issue, but any sort of serious mental health issue is never going to be addressed with 10 sessions Mm. of therapy. And they're generally not free either under a mental health treatment plan. There'll Mm. be a gap that you're still paying between the Medicare rate and the the rate that the psychologist charges. And that for some people, even if it's a small gap, that can be just completely unmanageable for somebody that's on a pension. Mm. And that's just so unfair that you're, you know, the opportunity to get support is contingent upon your financial position. Um, yeah. You also mentioned the, the stigma as a barrier. For you, in your own experience, was that an issue that you encountered? It was a huge issue. When I first experienced mental illness, when I was about 14 or 15, um, well, that was over 30 years ago, 35 years ago, obviously. But um, I, my experience was of a now known to be a major depression. I didn't at the time. I was um, suicidal. I completely withdrew from life. I had no idea what was wrong with me. I just thought there was that I was some sort of weirdo or some somehow deranged. I didn't know. Um, my teachers tried to send me to the school counsellor, but my parents wouldn't have a bar of it. They just mm. told me that I was being grumpy and 
being a teenager and being lazy and embarrassing them and um, to snap out of it. Yeah. And and that that sort of attitude is still around today. Yeah, it sounds like that, that lack that, of understanding, that double yeah. burden that people experience with mental illness when they have to deal with it mm. and then they deal with everyone around them not quite, you know, understanding what it's like for them. Mm, yeah. And particularly as a child, that meant that, I had no understanding of what was happening to me either. Right. So it was many years before I understood that I actually had a mental illness as opposed to I was just crazy. Like, yeah. So, yeah. That must be an incredibly isolating experience. Yes. So for, for those of us who, who have friends or family with mental illness, what do you think we can do to support them? Um... It's always difficult. I think what I was saying before about bad behaviour, I think try to avoid taking bad behaviour personally. I'm not suggesting that you put up with bad behaviour constantly, um, but there is a fine line that you need to negotiate and I think you have to be very gentle with how you handle bad behaviour if you're aware that there's mental illness underlying it. Right. And I think... With people with mental illness, you need to take them seriously. Treat them like human beings. Mm-hmm. Listen to them. Um, tell them if you're not sure what you um, what you can do. Um, so tell them that you want to help them, but you're not sure what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Ask them if they know what they need. Yeah. And ask them if you can just sit with them and be there for them. Yeah, that sounds so important, just having a dialogue about what's going on and not not having to feel like you need to solve the problem, but just being there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And lastly, if you, if you could give any advice to someone who's listening right now who is going through a really difficult time, what would you say to them? Um, I guess just don't give up. I could guarantee that there's someone in the world, at least one person that cares about you, that wants you to stay here, even if it doesn't feel like it at the moment. Yeah. I guess the thing with mental illness is that you can get so caught up in um, the future and what's happening in your head, and so it's really important to just try and break things down into small steps when you're in that state. So you can make some small movements. So don't worry about all the what ifs mm-hmm. and the thoughts that come into your mind. Just worry about them later and just focus on right now and what's here right now and specific steps you can take to get the support you need right now. Thank you so much, Anna. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you and it's such important and valuable work that you're doing in the community. So thank you for speaking with us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Cheers. Bye. If the content in the segment you just listened to has raised questions or caused distress to you, please call Lifeline on 131114. That's 131114. Or visit lifeline.org.au.
Welcome back to 3CR Breakfast. If you're just tuning in, I'm speaking with Ali O'Brien, a Melbourne-based contemporary trans artist, as well as Fox and Jess, co-founders of the In Sickness and Stealth Collective, an arts collective organizing creative events for artists with disabilities, mental and chronic illness. And this is part two of our conversation. We both come from, um, we both have a radical politic in general, and um, uh, community arts focused, I guess. Um, and yeah, so there's, there's, I think it's, it's very hard, particularly when you're looking about, um, how much people are, uh, oppressed by ableism in society. You can't be having spaces where people can't sell their work because, you know, disability and economic, um, oppression are, are pretty, closely tied up so it's good that people can sell their work at our stuff but like it's completely open as mm. well we don't you know it's it's not people aren't pressured to no. do so they don't want to and we i mean with most of the shows that we've had are, um people bring their friends and their family and it's a thing of being able to to actually show the work is is the main thing mm. and um but i think particularly the zines is quite a good way that we're moving towards as well because people can contribute and make the things they want to do and say it in their own way and it's not and it, whether or not they're able to be there on the day we can sell that for them and still get the money back to them um but it hasn't meant a cost to their integrity or what their message is and they haven't had to nobody has to write an artist statement for anything that we write they're very welcome to if they want and we'll put it up but we um we just try and just skip that whole bit Mm. (laughs) yeah and um in terms of yourself ali having been part of um uh, of of invisible and and um and the zine and everything that goes with it have you um met anyone whose work that you like or you didn't know about before or um because it seems like it's it's also a good way to sort of get a community of support um um you know working together and bouncing ideas off of each other and it seems like a great community so have you had any of that and what are you looking forward to for our listeners oh, of course like just by a matter of fact of being in this kind of community you meet a lot of really incredible people that i no doubt wouldn't have met otherwise like, uh, I've made friends with people like uh, Lana Milburn, and they're an incredible artist, and they're in this show, I believe, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what they've got on the show. But uh, even then, there are people in the show that I've never seen or heard of before, and I'm sure they've got great work, and it'll be a chance on the opening night to uh, talk to them and see what they think, mm. and maybe make some new friends. Yeah, great. And what about yourself, Jess? Anything that you're looking forward to as part of the show? Um... I guess, yeah, just excited to see the type of work that people have produced. Uh, we've got a range of artists who work with um, mixed media, so it'll be visual, it'll be sculptural, photography. Um, so, yeah, I'm just looking forward to opening night. I think it's going to be a really good vibe. Um, it's in a very accessible space at VU at Metro West on Nicholson Street in Fitzroy. I'm oh, sorry, Footscray. <laughs> sorry, sorry. We're, in Fitz, we're in Fitzroy right now. <laughs> <laughs> So it means that it's open for anyone to come along and it's free and, um, yeah, we'll have food there and zines for sale and it'll just be a great night.
Mm. Um, yes, so the details for that, uh, the opening is on Tuesday, the 17th of October from 6 till 8 p.m. And the show runs from the 18th to the 31st of October. And that's at the VU Metro West space, as you say, on uh, Nicholson Street in Footscray. Um, and, and, and that will be great. We'll have all the links updated for our listeners. But in terms of um, the the collective itself in between shows and, and that sort of thing, how can people who are interested, I guess, um, connect more? Is there any other sort of work that you do or activism that people can be a part of? Yeah, for sure. Um, if people log on to Facebook and go into the In Sickness and Stealth page, that is our um, primary way that we're getting information out right now and we will be developing a website. Um, we've got an Instagram and a Tumblr, but they're... Um, Work in progress. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, on the Facebook page, we try and share as many articles that we can, but also if you are an artist with a disability, a chronic illness or a mental illness or any of that combination... Um, you can message us on the page and we will promote your work. We we want to be promoting people and um, linking linking each other up. Like uh, one of the hardest things to face with disability is the isolation that's caused, and mm. um, the online communities are very strong. We we all have had to find our own way, and so we want to help people come into that, not have to do the do it by themselves anymore. Um, but yeah, we're we're producing a zine right now, which is just a general in sickness and stealth zine. Which, if we get enough content, will be at the <laughs> opening. But the and then we've got a zine after that that's concentrating on PTSD. Um, the next show after this show will be concentrating on the intersection of race and um, disability and illness. Um, so, if you're a person of colour who experiences illness or disability, get in touch with us and we can try and link you into that show as well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that's our main thing's going on. Great. And I just thought of one thing. I was going to wrap it up there, but um, this led me to another thing that, that came up in the kitchen, but, um, you know, how uh, living with a disability a, um, can be isolating and how you can feel isolated, but then how that can be compounded. Because I guess when, when you're an artist and that's the primary thing that you're, you're doing as well and working in arts practice, a lot of the time you're, you're just by yourself either, unless you're sort of like sharing a studio with other people or yeah. maybe they may, I don't know, if, if your sort of like thoughts align and that sort of thing, but a lot of the time you can go for ages without seeing anyone because yeah. um, that's the nature of the work. So do you have any, I don't know, final thoughts? We'll go to each each one of you on, um, on, on yeah, on, and, and I guess what I said, or, you know, it's Mental Health Week this week. If there's anything that you want to highlight out of that, you know, feel free to, to share or, um, yeah, how to beat the isolation. Do online communities play a role in... In, in maybe yeah. helping yeah. you? Ali, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Online communities play a uh, huge part in how I you know, stay connected to people and society because I live a long way away from all of my friends. Like, it took me two and a half hours to get to the city. But, uh, so yeah, online communities and, like, being online and online presences are really my main form of communication with people and people like me. Really, the only other times I come into the city are for, like, events like this or, like, shows that I have to set up and install because those are my main forms of, like, meeting people and, you know, keeping in touch just by 
doing work in shows. Yeah. Like, if I wasn't an artist and I wasn't taking part in, if I wasn't in these kind of circles, I would talk to a very, very small amount of people. Mm. So, um, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. In the collective, too, we're very keen for people who have never exhibited before or who are very new to um, this visual forms of expression or, you know, if people want to try and read a poem or whatever, um, to try and make a space for people who haven't had it before. And I think that's really important. Like if you, like everyone's got big feelings about this, <laughs> like the most important thing is that we talk about them and that we um, are together as much as we possibly can be. And for, for myself, when I was um, having lots of seizures all the time and wasn't able to walk and talk very much, then online community becomes the only form of interaction with people and um yeah like i i think that massively impacted my mental health being just having people who are going through the same things or you know different things but can still relate um but also if people are able to make it down to the show and you know that's we're going to try and have as many shows as possible because any given day you might not be able to but um if you can make it down like this, this particular one is is going to be a dry space as well, and we're trying very hard to um, just have it be as lovely and soft as possible. So, um, yeah. yeah, and we all we all need that bit of a love in. So mm. <laughs> great. Um, well, thank you so much for speaking with us here on 3CR Breakfast. Um, if you're just tuning into uh, 3CR Breakfast, I'm here speaking with Ali O'Brien, a Melbourne-based contemporary trans artist, as well as Fox and Jess, co-founders of the In Sickness and Stealth Collective, an arts collective organizing creative events for artists with disabilities, mental and chronic illness. Um, thank you so much to all three of you for speaking with me today. Thanks, Thanks for having us. <laughs> Look forward to seeing you uh, uh, on the 17th of October and we'll have all that info updated. Thank you. Thank See you, you there. Thanks. Bye. Um, now we're going to be listening to an interview that I did. Um, I spoke to some community members about their experiences with mental health. My relationship with my mental health has um, it's always been uh, a link to a combination of inherited intergenerational trauma, my own physical medical trauma because I am disabled, and toxic relationships, and also the effects of living in a body that's systemically marginalised for a number of reasons. So um, this is radio, they can't see me. I am a black woman and I also have a physical disability and I use a wheelchair. Um, so that obviously affects the way that I move around in spaces and move in the world, and I re- experience a lot of marginalization because of that. So that obviously contributes to my mental health, um, and I have no control over that. Um, uh, and I guess my mental health issues have manifested in various ways but because they've been caused by different things. So from depression in my early teens, um, I developed an eating disorder, uh, sort of mood swings that could be almost construed as bipolar mood swings. Mm. Um, suicide ideation went through that. Uh, phobias um, and also the symptoms of PTSD uh, that were sustained from a abusive relationship. Right. So um, we've had a lot of different 
things to deal with and have had to deal with them in different ways at different points in my life. Um, I'm doing actually really well now, but it, that's only because I've had to learn to unapologetically devote a large portion of my time to self-care. And uh, I think a lot of the struggle for people with mental health issues is the guilt that they have about not being able to do as much as they quote-unquote should be doing. Um, and I, part of my mental health journey has been learning that that's okay and that uh, to unapologetically say I can't do this right now and to make my mental health and physical health an absolute priority that because I know that unless I take care of that everything else in my life won't be possible so Hmm. the foundation of my life now it really is self-care and everything else fits around that so yeah So with my studies, for example, I um, can not focus for a really long time, so I need to um, work that into my um, studying um, routine. So I'll have to do a certain number of, um, for example, if I'm reading research articles, I'll have to only read um, a couple of them and then take a break and do something else and then come back to that because I can't focus for a really long time. Um, And that took a while for me to... figure out that this is how this is what works for me Uh, also there's just some days where I don't I'm studying something that's quite um heavy and uh, a lot of the reading that I have to go through is um pretty traumatic and is talking about people's lived experiences of traumatic events so a lot of times I have to step back and um, look after myself and not deal with that um, I'm also working full time, so that um, takes up a lot of my energy and a lot of my um, mental capacity. So then my studies, because I can drop subjects or I can pull back on certain things, I usually opt to do that rather than pulling back on working um, because I need to work. Um, I think that I have um, been able to find really close friends around me that I've been able to communicate freely with about my mental health problems and mental health experiences that I've been through. Um, but it's not something that I would feel comfortable sharing with, you know, my wider circle of friends. Um, I think I had an experience when I was growing up. Um, my mum also had mental health issues of her own, and I just remember her like coming home one day from the doctor and saying, what is the depression? Like, I don't understand what this is. And it made me really reluctant to ever discuss my own mental health with her. And um, because I wasn't sure if she would be as supportive or knew like a pathway or plans or um, how to discuss mental health experiences that I was going through. Um, But I guess since then, like it's been... Since then, I've maybe been able to talk to my sister a lot more about mental health experiences that I've been through, but it's been more difficult to discuss with my family. Um, but I do have a very close circle of friends that I um, I feel uh, have been a really good support network for me. I sought help through a number of channels. I did go to... Um, I have seen a number of mental health professionals over the years. Um, I'm a public patient, so uh, the amount of contact that you can have is limited because of the way that mental health 
plans are written and what you're entitled to. Um, I would say that uh, because of that, I really focus, I have focused in the past on getting the most I can from those sessions and then going away and doing the work. So I really, it's almost, it's like I approach it like school, almost like school contact hours. Like I go there, okay, give me what I need, tell me my homework and I'll go away and do it. And that's how I've always kind of approached it. But I would say, it's important to say, um, because I am a black woman, the majority of the mental health professionals, in fact, all of the mental health professionals that I've seen have been white women. And Western, the Western approach to mental health is problematic for me because I've never been able to talk about race. I've never been able to talk about the intersection of race um, with my mental health issues. And um, and that's obviously a problem. Um, and Western, the Western approach to mental health too kind of neglects the fact that um, for people of colour, um, a lot of the issues that we're facing are related to systemic discrimination. Our Western the Western approach to mental health, for me, that I've experienced, has individualized the problem and made it a medical issue of the individual and focuses on that. Like, how do we fix you medically? And that's a major failing of Western mental health care that still needs to be rectified. I think my biggest coping strategy that I've um, realize works really well for me is exercise as well as um, time alone um, so making sure that I build those into my daily life otherwise if I go a week um, without exercising or if I go a week without actually having quality time by myself I will start feeling it and I will start feeling the repercussions for that about that um, and so they're the two biggest ones, um, as well as uh, obviously um, seeking help from a professional. And I think um, I don't give that as much of a priority because it just takes a lot of time and money and everything else. So um, I usually seek professional help when it's towards the crisis end, um, whereas if it was something that I could build into my life, it'd probably be one of the best coping mechanisms I use. But right now, it's more the self-soothing type stuff. My coping strategy so far has been learning to say no and um, like taking active steps for self-care. And I, I actually wrote a list of things that I like to do that are free. So I have a diary and if I'm feeling in a bad mental health space or I'm feeling like I just want to lock myself in my room, I have a look at my diary and I have a list of things in there and it just reminds me of that I can go out and do things um, that are free. Like, you know, when I'm in a bad mental health space or I'm not feeling myself, I always forget that I can just go to the pool and go for a swim or I can go for a walk down the Maribyrnong or I always forget that those things are available so it's been a really good tool to have just like a reminder of the things that I like to do Um, and yeah it's been a really good resource for myself. I've had to work for a really long time on the 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 things that I tell myself about myself and the way that I talk to myself because the way that I talk to myself is 
in the past has been almost like bullying myself. Like in, I, I abuse myself in a way that I would never talk to anyone else. Um, and so I had to learn to identify that that pattern and I had to learn how to silence it mm. and replace it with something else. And that's what I have today, honestly. Like my mind chatter today is more like a best friend. And that's what the goal is for me to just maintain that. Because um, I do have days where I lapse <laughs> and I get self-abusive, but um, a good day is being able to just quiet, even if there's nothing to replace it, just quieting that part of myself. Or if I hear that voice in my head, having another voice present, if that makes sense, that says that's bullshit, that's not true. And being able to question my own bad thoughts, if that makes sense. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.